Cliff Levy, the associate managing editor of the New York Times, a former newspaper, has tweeted that the Times, quote, will scrutinize the incoming administration just as thoroughly, thoroughly as we did the outgoing one, unquote. <laughs> yes, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, Clavin, you uproarious punchinello of miraculous mirth. Where do you come up with these absurd and yet side-splitting knee slaps of hilarious satire that stretch the very limits of imagination past the shadowy borderlands of the preposterous into the cosmic wonderworld of the totally ridiculous? But no, I'm actually not making this up. Cliff Levy, Levy, who works at the New York Times, where anyone who is polite to a Republican is drummed out of the city by a gang of 20-year-old trust fund credentialists who think that women in the Soviet Union had great sex in an apartment with one bedroom and three other families right up to the moment their husbands were taken into a prison basement and shot in the back of the head for having once wished out loud that they didn't have to wait online for bread, Cliff Levy thinks that that newspaper is going to cover Joe Biden's administration honestly and fairly. Well, I for one believe him because I'm an idiot. And I'm really looking forward to the day when the New York Times matches their story headlined Brett Kavanaugh's brutal rape spree with their story headlined Tara Reid. Wasn't she kind of asking for it? I can't wait till they match the story headlined Trump, demonic hellhound of Hitlerian history with their story headlined Joe Biden, how cute is his cat? And of course, I'm holding my breath for when they match their think piece, Trump, is he evil or really, really evil with their feature, Joe Biden, it's not dementia, it's just so much goodness, he can't get the words out. Cliff Levy thinks the New York Times will cover Joe Biden fairly. Actually, I wish I had made that up, but I'm just not that funny. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a zing It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Oh, hooray, hurrah. All right, the vast right-wing conspiracy known as Clavenon continues. And tomorrow, you know, I hope I hope you've got your problems nearby. I hope you can gather them around you, kiss them on the head, say a f- sad farewell to them, because tomorrow is the mailbag when all your problems can be solved. All you got to do is subscribe to the dailywire.com, dailywire.com slash subscribe. And you can send in what you do is you hit the podcast page. You go to the Andrew Claven podcast, you hit the little mailbag symbol, and then you can ask me any question you want. You can ask me about politics. You can ask me about your personal life. You can ask me about religion. You can ask me how I just managed to look this incredibly great. All my answers are guaranteed 100% correct and will change your life, possibly for the better. The guarantee is really useful because knowing that it's 100% correct, you don't have to write me angry letters telling me I was wrong. It just saves you a lot of time. Also, go on the YouTube YouTube channel and subscribe and hit that little bell and that will send you all my fresh content uh, will come to you by a little elf uh, with six tiny reindeer uh, who will come down your chimney, steal your silverware, but leave my free content. Leave a comment. And if the comment is sufficiently ignorant and wrongheaded, we will put it on the air as just a natural part of the rest of the podcast. Bible Man today says, now that the Iranian nuclear scientist is dead, he'll be able to vote in the next U.S. election. It's true. It's true. The Israeli hit team turned him into a Democrat. It's amazing. 
Back when I was still making speeches to college students before the lockdown, I used to sometimes remark uh, that young women seemed to me to be absolutely miserable. I would then, of course, ask any young women in the audience who disagreed with me to let me know what they thought during the question and answer period. Not one woman ever corrected me. And in fact, more than once, women got up and told me I was right. Young women in this society are miserable. Well, I thought of this when I heard about this poor lady soccer player, Sarah Fuller, who was used as a publicity stunt during a men's college football game. As I understand it, Vanderbilt, which has not won a game all season, was short players because of the Chinese virus, so they brought on this poor kid to gin up some sort of interest in their lousy team. She kicked the ball a mere 30 yards. They say it was an intentional squib kick, but strategically, that doesn't actually make any sense, but never mind. She then ran off the field before she could get hurt. Now, I'm not saying anything against this young lady's athletic abilities. She's apparently a top-tier women's soccer player, and good for her. But she actually came out afterward and told reporters she had made a locker room speech to the team because she was angry at their lack of enthusiasm. And for those of you who don't know anything about sports, a one-time 30-yard kicker who makes a locker room speech would have to be a woman because if she were a man, the other guys would beat the crap out of him. This is no way to treat a lady. It's condescending and it's insulting. It reduces an excellent athlete, athlete to a freak show anomaly for the purpose of a sick, leftist neurosis that hates the human race as God made it. Every signal women receive from this twisted, broken society we're in, every signal they receive tells them that if they follow the dreams of womanhood, they're nothing. Only male success is success. Only male values of strength and career and competition are the right values. It's a disgusting assault on the feminine, which is half of human life. Sarah Fuller knows she can't compete on a field with comparable male athletes any more than a female swordswoman in the Middle Ages can compete against comparable men in a real-life battle. So now she has to make believe she's something she's not in order to earn the mock respect of people who despise what she actually is and would dump her the very second she disagreed with their crap politics. We need to take a closer look at the social mechanisms that allow a small group of angry, twisted perverts to set the social rules that ruin the lives of young people and strip them of the great and uplifting consolations of being men and women, the masculine and feminine halves of the crowning work of God's creation, humankind. One of my favorite sponsors, Echelon. Love these bikes. They sent me one of these bikes. It's one of those bikes where you can hook up your iPad or other device and you get classes uh, to use the machine. They're inspiring. You can see how you're doing against other people. It is a great workout. You can go on it for as long as you want, as short as you want. I go on for 45 minutes and it is really, really good. And I love their instructors. They're enthusiastic. They're smart. They help you use the machine because there are different ways to turn the dials and they tell you how to do it. It is just great. Echelon not only offers that, they offer the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and all their new, the new Echelon Stride Smart Treadmill. All of this stuff is really well made. I Just judging by the bike, it is really well made, and it's a lot, a lot cheaper than their competitors. Go to echelonfit.com slash Clavin. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash Clavin. Who doesn't know how to spell Echelon? But you know, you know what I'm saying? You understand what you understand what I'm talking about here? Anyone can spell Echelon, but Clavin, that's the mystery. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no E's in Clavin.
The condescension and lies about women uh, is part of a larger topic, but let's start with this because we're back in this politically correct world where what matters is not who gets appointed to Joe Biden's cabinet, but what color they are, what gender they are. And now apparently he has an all-female press team. And my goodness, isn't it historic? Here is the press talking about the fact that all the girls will be giving us the news. Cut seven. Joe Biden breaking a new bar barrier by announcing an all-female White House communications team. Joe Biden this morning is moving on with this transition, including trying to make good on this campaign promise to diversify the White House with that first, the all-female communications team. After weeks of delay, today President-elect Joe Biden will finally receive his first top-level intelligence briefing, and he's already pushing ahead on his campaign promise to diversify the White House with a first in all-female communications team. Mr. Biden also announced his new White House communications team. It is a diverse all-female group, including several mothers of young kids, according to newly named Press Secretary Jen Psaki, who's an Obama alum. Kate Bedingfield was tapped for White House communications following a similar role in the campaign. It's an amazing picture when you look at it all together. Thank you very much, Nicole. So it's, a diver it's diverse because it's all women. But of course, uh, but by the way, the Babylon Bee had the great headline. They said, Biden, all female commu communications team won't tell nation what's wrong. Nation sh should already know, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> but, you know, obviously Trump has had women in high level positions, They're, though his communications team isn't all women. It has always been led by women and is led by women now. But more importantly, you're looking who you're looking at. You're looking at George Stephanopoulos, who silenced women for a living for uh, Bill Clinton he went to a Jeffrey Epstein party after Jeffrey Epstein was already convicted of being uh, of abusing young women during the Hillary Clinton campaign. Jeffrey, Ep the story of Jeffrey Epstein was killed on the news in the news department. He runs. He's the head of the department during Hillary Clinton's time. Listen, here's Amy Robach. I just want to replay this. We played this a number of times. It was worth replaying. It's Amy Robach caught on tape by Project Veritas. She was on a, I guess a camera and they got hold of this footage. This is a an ABC anchorwoman, Amy Robach, talking about the Jeffrey Epstein story that was spiked during Hillary Clinton's campaign in the news department run by George Stephanopoulos, who once told Hillary Clinton, I love you, Hillary, and made a career out of silencing women for Bill Clinton. And no one has ever asked George Stephanopoulos what he had to do with this. This is cut 19. I've had the story for three years. I've had this interview with Virginia Roberts. We would not put it on the air. Um, first of all, I was told, who's Jeffrey Epstein? No one knows who that is. This is a stupid story. Um, then the palace found out that we had her whole allegations about Prince Andrew and threatened us a million different ways. Um, we were so afraid we wouldn't be able to interview Kate and Will that we that also quashed the story. And then, um, and then Alan Dershowitz was also implicated in because of the planes. She told me everything. She had pictures. She had everything. She was in hiding for 12 years. We convinced her to come out. We convinced her to talk to us. Um, it was unbelievable what we had. Clinton. We had everything. They had Clinton, they had everything. George Stephanopoulos, the news department, quashed that story. No one has ever asked him what he had to do with that decision, even though he made a career silencing women. At NBC, they killed the Harvey Weinstein story. Harvey was out there raping women. They killed that story while they were covering up the story of Matt Lauer, who was grabbing every intern he could get his hands on in, at NBC. And then they timed the release of the Donald Trump story uh, about his Hollywood access tape 
So, and then women took to the street over that. So they're being, women are being manipulated. Here is Dana Perino, who is universally regarded as one of the nicest people in the business. Here she is talking about the way conservative women are treated. This is cut 20 on the five. This is the first, the first, the first. If you think of last week, um, the new DHS secretary will be the first uh, Hispanic Americans, the first. A lot. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. And if you think you want to get a quick hit in the media, you know exactly how to do it. Conservative administrations typically don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, as conservative women, you just are like, you know you're not going to get the glowing profile, so you just get your shit done. Right. <laughs> she then caught herself. When the nicest person in media starts to curse, you know what it means. Women are being played. They are just being manipulated by this party who celebrates them but doesn't serve them. So this is the thing. We've been talking about the press. We've been talking about the crisis of information that we're all in. We're all in this crisis. And a lot, you know, you can say that it's not happening, but it is. We don't know what to believe. There's no one you can turn to. All politicians lie. All people lie. And politicians lie more than other people. And when the press is lying and when the press is manipulating you and when the press is doing basically selling an agenda and not sell, because because they work for corporations who have an agenda, they don't they the reporters themselves may not know it's the agenda, but they're not getting hired if they're not supporting that agenda. So you're getting all these. Lies. We don't know what to believe. And what I want to talk about is the fact that this is really it's 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 not a crisis of lying. It's not a crisis. That suddenly people became uh, more dishonest than they were. They were always dishonest. People are dishonest. People lie. They all lie. They all have reasons to lie. I have a reason to lie so that you don't hate me for what I say about the the election. I have a good reason to lie to you so you're not, I'm not getting the tweets and the attacks that I get from people. That's a good reason for me to lie. We all have motivations to lie, all of us. So we have to figure out who's telling the truth at any given moment. And when the people that are assigned the job of giving us information balanced from both sides aren't doing that information, we're stuck. But here's what I want to talk about. The thing is, this is not a, a crisis of honesty because we, look, Jesus was the truth. They killed him. If he came back Thursday, on Thursday, they'd kill him. They kill, the world kills the truth. That is part of what the world does. But this is a crisis of class. This is because we're only getting one point of view from one class. And class in America is fluid, but it's not non-existent right? You can work your way. This, you can't really do this in England. If you work your way, even today, if you work your way up from nothing, you'll always be a little bit, there'll always be somebody to make a comment about where you came from. In America, truly, nobody gives a damn. Nobody cares what your background was if now you are part of the uh, great word, the clerisy. This is a word from Samuel Taylor Coleridge, one of the great poets, one of the greatest intellectuals who ever lived. He had this word, the clerisy. It is, it obviously sounds like the clergy. It comes from the same root as the clergy, but it means the intellectual elite who set the rules and set the social comments of what, of what is. Now, the thing is, America, this class is fluid. You can move around in America, which is great, but it's not non-existent, and there are rules for entry. There are rules for entry. There are ways you behave. There are things you believe. There are ways you dress, places you go, schools you've been to. All these things make you part of the clerisy. And there's a certain amount of money you probably have to have, or at least a certain amount of influence. And this means that they set the rules about what is polite and not polite to say and what is outside what they call the Overton window, the acceptable uh, kind of, the acceptable subjects of conversation. And 
What we're dealing with is we're dealing with a press that was once working class. It, uh, the press used to be something, say back in the 30s, that a guy who was smart but didn't go to college but had a lot of life experience might be, end up a reporter. Today, you go to college, you've got to go get a journalism degree, you become part of the clerisy, and you're hired by the people who are the clerisy. You're hired by corporations, and you have to believe what everybody else believes, essentially. There are things you can say and things you don't, you're just not going to say. I mean, this is the way that the, the uh, left has worked forever. They have worked through good manners. You know, good manners are far, far more important. Uh, you know, the rules of good manners are far, far more important than even being shouted at. People can stand being shouted at. They can even stand being martyred, but being excluded, being sniffed at, being told that, no, 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 you're not welcome at this dinner table because you don't say the right things. You know, I, I told you the story before, but it's worth repeating. I was at a party with a bunch of people, young people from the New York Times, all of whom had been silenced in one way or another for having wrong think. At the New York Times, they were told either get out or no, you can't say this. No, you can't do this. All of them. And I said to them, why don't you come to the Daily Wire? We would love you. We would, you know, you can say, even though you're liberal, you know, some of them were liberal, some of them were conservative. But I said, you know, we have a range of opinions at the Daily Wire. Why don't you come write for us? We have a great circulation. People come and listen to it. And they all said the same thing because you're not the clerisy. They didn't use that word, but they said you're not talking to the people who matter. And the people who matter are not the people with power. They're the people who set the social rules. You can have a lot of power and not matter. You can have a lot of money and not matter. You can have a lot of reach. You can have a big audience and not matter if you're not part of the clerisy. And that's what we're dealing with. Let me show you how this works, though. CNN broke a story, leaked documents from the Hubei Provincial Center in China for disease control and prevention in China. Came out in the documents, which cover, and I'm reading from CNN, which cover an incomplete period between October 20, 2019 and April this year, reveal what appears to be an inflexible healthcare system constrained by top-down bureaucracy and rigid procedures that were ill-equipped to deal with the pandemic, right? At several critical moments in the early phase of the pandemic, the documents show evidence of clear missteps. Suddenly, CNN has discovered that more people died more people were dying in China than China would say. Now, we told you that on the show because we give you tomorrow's news today, but we couldn't prove it. Now, CNN has proved it. So I want to give credit, full credit to a guy at The uh, Federalist, a guy named Tristan Justice, because I'm going to use some clips from his story. First of all, he's got a great name, Tristan Justice. I, I, I may change my name to Tristan Justice. That is an absolutely terrific name. Tristan Justice, private eye. I mean, you could be anything with the name Tristan Justice. However, he's a writer at The Federalist, and he wrote a story called CNN Finally Discovers China Uses U.S. Media to Attack the United States. He says, for months, it's been brazenly obvious that China was deliberately underreporting its cases of the Wuhan virus. The Chinese government lied about every aspect of the global crisis, including its origin, while silencing whistleblowers who sounded the alarm, hiding crucial information from health experts, and pushing the World Health Organization into line about the nature of the virus itself. At the pandemic's outset, onset, China again proved it cannot be trusted with its own statistics. They came out, I think it was in April, uh, April 7th. This was what Reuters was reporting from China uh, in, in April about the virus. This is cut four. China marked a massive milestone on Tuesday. It's seen no new deaths as a result of the new coronavirus. Mainland China also reported a drop in new cases after closing its borders to virtually all foreigners. In the central city of Wuhan, once the epicenter of the outbreak, lockdown measures are finally easing. It's due to allow people to leave the city via road, rail and air on Wednesday. 
and more non-essential businesses will open their doors once again, providing the first glimpse of what life could be like after at least two months indoors. Wuhan has reported only two new confirmed cases in the last 14 days. Overall, China had around 32 new confirmed cases of the coronavirus on Monday, all of which involved travellers arriving from overseas. <laughs> Everything is great. Everything is great in China. You remember Thomas Friedman in Knucklehead Row at the New York Times, the op-ed page of the New York Times, said, oh, if only for one day, if only we could have a powerful government, like an authoritarian government like China, oh, we could fix so many things. And the logic behind that is his class, the clerisy, knows how to fix things and is being held up by us, the rabble with our power in democracy. But I want to show you, I want to show you what happened to this story as this China story developed, as it de developed falsely among the clerisy, namely the press. Well, you know, I love to try out our sponsor's products so I can recommend them to you personally. But when I tell you that I'm dealing with Chamonix's new Zotique Deep Correcting Serum, which will give you smoother, better skin, uh, free from redness, acne, and acne scars, you'll know that I'm not using it, but we did have one of the ladies at, on staff uh, try it out, and I can't tell you how beautiful she is because I'll get sued. However, Zotique's increases firmness, smoothness, and diminishes adult acne, redness, and stress breakouts. You can also say goodbye to crow's feet and laugh lines, so you know I'm not using it, but she did, and she really recommended it. And with its immediate effects, you can see results in 12 hours or less, and, and every order you get from them this Christmas and holiday season includes Chamonix's brand new Zotique Deep Correcting Serum absolutely free. So go to GenuCell.com, that's GenuCell.com, and enter Daily 40 at checkout for an extra 40 bucks off. And this holiday season, you get Chamonix's brand new Zotique Deep Correcting Serum, Crystallis, Crystals it's called, at home, microdermabrasion treatment, and a surprise luxury gift all free with your order today. That's three free gifts plus free upgrade to priority shipping. Genucel.com, genucel.com. That is genucel, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com. I'm going to read again from this Federalist paper by Tristan Justice with the great name. U.S. reports uh, uh, 1,200 coronavirus deaths in over 25 four hours. NBC News tweeted on April 7th. Meanwhile, in China, where the pandemic broke out, not a single new coronavirus death was reported. Justice says these falsehoods from China were used by corporate media as a cudgel against Trump, incredibly claiming that a communist country was doing better than the freest country in the world based on taking China's doctored numbers at face value. Here is a reporter challenging Trump on the way he refers to the virus. This is cut five. China and others have criticized you for using the phrase uh, Chinese virus. Uh, how do you feel about that? Are you going to continue using that phrase? Well, China uh, was putting out information which was false that our military gave this to them. That was false. And uh, rather than having an argument, I said, uh, I have to call it where it came from. It did come from China. So I think it's a very accurate term. But no, I didn't appreciate the fact that China was saying that our military gave it to them. Our military did not give give it to anybody. Critics say using our phrase creates a stigma. Um, no, I don't think so. No, I think saying that our military gave it to them creates a stigma. I, I just want to deconstruct that exchange for just a minute. I mean, I think it's important that the press is saying to Trump, the, the reporter is saying to Trump, you have violated the rules of the of upper class etiquette, which are set by the clerisy. See, this is what you have to remember. The rules of social behavior are set by the social upper classes. You have violated those rules. 
And Trump is saying, first of all, I'm telling the truth. And second of all, they did all these bad things, so screw them. That's basically what he's saying. And the reporter sticks with his values, which are values of etiquette set by the clerisy. That's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with the rules of behavior. We're not dealing with suddenly everybody in the press became dishonest. Everybody's always dishonest. That's why it's so hard to find the truth. That's why it's so hard to speak the truth. That is why it's so hard. It, it, you will lose your job. You will lose money. You'll lose fame. You'll lose all the things that you value in life if you speak the truth. That is the Christian method, message. That is the central, one of the central messages of the gospel. That's why I always laugh when churches say, we're trying to make the world a better place. Jesus never said that. He said, the world is going to hate you. The world is going to crucify you. Pick up the cross. Follow me. Here we go. That's what he said because he knows the world, what the world does to the truth. And that is why we have to search so hard for the truth. And that's why it's so hard to speak the truth. What they are telling you is their etiquette forbids the truth. Now, see, the thing is, etiquette always has an element of hypocrisy to it, right? I, you know, if I'm sitting at a dinner table and someone is saying, and someone is saying, you know, uh, I've actually been in this situation. Someone's saying, oh, I've decided to have a child out of wedlock, you know, because I just, I'm just tired of not having a child and I want a child. I don't turn to her at the dinner table and say, that's a terrible thing to do. <laughs> you know, it's just not polite. So what the, what the left has done is they have infested that upper class with rules that make it impolite to speak any kind of truth at any time. Anytime you speak the truth, you are a racist, you're a sexist, you're a horrible person. You may even sink so low to be Donald Trump. Here is the press now. So you heard, you heard that exchange with Trump as they scored him for telling the truth but not following social etiquette. Here's the press piling on. This is cut six. You're starting to hear the Republicans, especially Trump Co., calling it the Wuhan or the Chinese coronavirus. They're looking for someone to blame. Concern is growing this morning over an outbreak of a new SARS-like virus in China. At least six people have died from the Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The 34-year-old ophthalmologist diagnosed Saturday with the Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan virus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. What more can you tell us about the similarities or differences between SARS and the Wuhan coronavirus? The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus in China. The Wuhan uh, coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. From the Wuhan. Uh, coronavirus. Wuhan coronavirus. Fears continue to grow over the outbreak of the Wuhan coronavirus. Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. We have new information about how the Wuhan coronavirus is spread. See, this is the thing. The rules change, right? It's not just if you follow the rules that you are in the upper class, you're in the clerisy. It's if you're in the clerisy, the way you say it are the rules. Donald Trump is not in the clerisy. It doesn't matter that he's a billionaire. It doesn't matter that he's a successful guy. The way he behaves, and the, and the things he believes, really, the things he believes, exempt him from being in the upper class. And so anything he does, the rules suddenly change. Suddenly you're not doing the right thing because you're not one of us. Now, this is, this is what is in play now as Joe Biden prepares to take over the presidency and is appointing all these people. Yet... What's in play now is that he's bringing back the clerisy. He's bringing back. It's not going to be all these guys wandering in and out of the Trump administration. It's going to be the cler they're coming back. It, when he says America is back, he doesn't mean America is back. He doesn't mean your America, my America. He means 
their America. He means the America of the upper classes. Jared Baker, excellent columnist in the Wall Street Journal, used to be the editor-in-chief of the Wall Street Journal, should be the editor-in-chief again because they're drifting to the left. He writes this, a wonderful thing. You know, they're talking, remember we were reporting yesterday on the fact that they're covering Joe Biden's cat. You know, the other thing they're covering, they're covering, the, they're covering this idea that he fell down and hurt his foot. He broke his foot while playing with his dog. I'd like to see video of that. I'd like to know he didn't just fall down like any other old man, any other doddering old man, just walking down from one room to another. They say he was playing with his dog. I'd like to see the video. Anyway, Jared Baker's talking about the way they're covering Joe Biden because they're going to, you know, as, as they got Cliff Levy said at the New York Times, they're going to cover him exactly the same way they covered Trump. So he writes this. When Joe Biden gets to the White House, he will, it seems, be bringing with him a menagerie of domesticated animals eager to roll over and have their tummies tickled by a solicitous first couple. There will be Champ and Major, the two German shepherds, one of whom, like his master, is a veteran of the Obama administration. There will be the as yet unnamed cat, who we learned last week, will prowl the echoing halls of the executive mansion, no doubt mischievous and imperious by turns, like all felines. Above all, there will be a whole pack of cuddly, playful, yelping puppies, eager for attention and desperate to please, gently nuzzling their master and members of his administration whenever they stoop to stroke them or issue a kind word or a stern command. These fully house-trained pets will sport White House press passes and carry laptops and microphones. They will protect, project a vulpine self-regard and profess a hound-like commitment to hunting down the truth, but it's clear already that when brought to heel, they will have all the independence of mind of one of those nodding toy dogs that used to adorn the dashboards of motor cars. So along with all his other trained animals, his house trained house pets, he will be bringing in the trained house pets who are the poodle press. Now, here's his point. He's talking about the way they cover the Biden appointments. He says there's a larger point here about the rot in America's institutional leadership that in part, at least, the Trump administration was elected to undo. In its largely celebratory coverage, the press is unwittingly emphasizing what this restoration represents, the triumph of its own class. It is highlighting how completely in lockstep the various elements of the new and old establishments now are, the media and tech platforms, the global corporate bossocracy, the vast overfed Washington policy crowd whose different characters pop in and out of government with a change of president without leaving a footprint on the receding sands of American leadership. That's what we're talking about. What we're talking about is a group of people who are the clarity. They are the clarity. They set the social rules. And what they do is they set the social rules so that anyone who disagrees with them becomes outré, becomes unacceptable, becomes a rude lout, right? Dana Perino, one of the nicest, sweetest, most elegant people you'll ever want to see in your life, is not acceptable to them. And so she is excluded from that uh, class. These new appointments, you know, it, it's just, it's so fascinating because we've got these new appointments coming in uh, who are, you know, economic appointments. And the Wall Street Journal says the overall message of Mr. Biden's picks uh, is a progressive team that views government as the leading engine of economic growth. Our guess is that they'll use the lingering damage from the pandemic to propose a major spending and tax increase in early 2021. What we've seen during this pandemic, what we have seen during this pandemic is a huge transfer of wealth from the working classes to the rich. Your little neighborhood bookstore has gone out of business, but Amazon is doing great. And listen, I love Amazon, but I love those little bookstores. They have 
fight, fought to, and strategized to keep alive, they're going to be gone. The corner grocery is gone, but the stock market is doing great. And the thing about this is, is all this time, all this time, the economy was doing great because Trump broke the rules. Here's Stephen Moore, a really smart guy and, and one of Trump's advisors and a guy who didn't like Trump to start with, but he got on the team because Trump was doing the right stuff. Here he is talking about what the economy really has looked like. This is cut one. You know, we really should be celebrating this Thanksgiving, this amazing economy. This is, we are now living through the single greatest and swiftest recovery from a recession in American history, thanks to Donald J. Trump. Uh, you know, we have the unemployment rate down below 7% in six months. It took uh, Obama, Biden six years to do that. Uh, we've got, you know, growth. We got the Dow went up to 30,000. Uh, a lot of that is because of Operation Warp Speed and the, uh, and the vaccine that's coming. So 2021, is really setting up to be a blockbuster year as long as Joe Biden's policies don't ruin it. Trump did a good job. He did it. He had a great presidency, but he didn't follow the rules of the clerisy. He didn't follow the etiquette of the upper class. So you know you're dealing with crazy right-wingers when they tell you that any minute there could be a pandemic and governors will be locking you down and you may not have the food that you need ready, so you want to get ready-wise. Then you know we're crazy, right? Except here we are. So now is a better time than any to be prepared with long-term nutritional food options. ReadyWise has many options. They have emergency meals. They have freeze-dried fruits and vegetables for convenient on-the-go nutrition. They have new adventure meals for hiking, camping, and other outdoor activities. ReadyWise makes being prepared simple and affordable. Order online and have nutritious meals shipped directly to your doorstep. When government resources are strained, it can be days, if not weeks, before fresh food is available. Don't put yourself in that position. This week, my listeners can get free shipping at ReadyWise.com when entering Claven at checkout or by calling 855 474 4084. ReadyWise has a 90-day, no questions asked return policy, so there's no risk taking the initiative to get yourself and your family prepared today. That's ReadyWise, R-E-A-D-Y-W-I-S-E.com, promo code Claven to get free shipping. But you know how to spell ReadyWise. How? Oh, how? Please tell us how do you spell Claven? I hear you saying it's K-L-A-V-A-N. If you haven't ordered them yet, check out the Daily Wire Christmas ornaments. Here's a picture of them. And many of you will, may notice, Jenna Ellis tweeted this, uh, that I look like an alien. And there's a reason for that, of course, is that I come from the planet Boogaloo. Uh, <laughs> but but if, if you want to see me looking like an alien, get the Daily Wire Christmas ornaments. They have all of the hosts, plus the God King Jeremy Boring, as Santa's adorable elves, and in one case, alien elves. Uh, they're made out of painted metal uh, and you can hang them on your tree. And, uh, you know, the Knowles one, you, if you have a BB gun, you can use that. It's really fun. And uh, mine, if you just want to like, you know, uh, hold up in front of your face and say, Luke, I am your father. That works too. They're going fast. So get yours now. Text Christmas to 83400 to check out our ornaments today. One of the things that's so frustrating about all this is that we're not dealing with evil, you know? I mean, there is there are evil people, there are people who don't see that what they're doing is bad. But when you're dealing with class, you're just dealing with prejudice, you're dealing with interest, you're dealing with people who want the things that they want and don't want to face the fact that maybe the things they want aren't good for you. And 
you know, people, people do what feels good and it feels good to the upper classes uh, to help the lower classes, but it doesn't feel so good when the lower classes become the upper classes or when the lower classes don't need their help. So it feels better to the upper classes to give you charity, to give you a, un a universal guaranteed income or to give you welfare than it does for them to have you build a shop and basically uh, have, you know, have a successful business or go to work for that business or have your own job and have opinions of your own. That's getting out of hand, and you don't want that going on. And that was Trump from the very beginning. Trump was saying, you know, I'm just going to give people work, and then they won't worry about whether they're black or white, or if they meet some prejudice, who cares if you've got dignity and you're doing a job. That is not what you think when you're a member of the clerisy. Again, the clerisy's intentions are good, but remember what they say about good intentions, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. That is something that should be tattooed on the foreheads of people entering government. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. So, you know, now you've got this thing with schools, and this is driving me crazy because I've got, you know, little little relatives who are in, in schools. And in uh, New York, they closed the schools against all the science, against all the information that was saying the schools were not major spreaders. Little kids are not spreading the coronavirus. So they closed the schools because the Democrat Party is in hock to the United Federations of Teachers who basically don't want to go to school if, if there's any risk. And they, they, don't, they just don't like to work very much. They don't do anything for anybody. The teachers are good people, but the union is utterly corrupt. So th they're following the science, as they all say. Here is Anthony Fauci, hero to the left because of his pandering of fear, his selling of mongering of fear. Uh, he's a hero to the left. Shapiro's team put this together. This is Fauci over the months of this virus talking about schools and what sh we should do with schools is cut 18. We have to start uh, implementing both containment and mitigation. And what was done when you do closing the school is mitigation. If you have a situation in which you don't have a real good control over an outbreak and you allow children to gather together, they likely will get infected. We don't know everything about this virus. And we really better be very careful, particularly when it comes to children. I think we better be careful if we are not cavalier in thinking that children are completely immune to the deleterious effects. There may be some areas that the level of virus is so high that it would not be prudent to bring the children back to school. The default position should be to try as best as you possibly can to open up the schools for in-person learning. If you're in a situation in, the, in a green zone where you have a very low level of infection and test positivity, that in general, you can open the schools with impunity. Close the bars and keep the schools open is what we really say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is like, don't wear a mask, wear a mask. But the whole thing is, is that each time the rules change, if you don't follow the rules, you're a bad person. That's, that's what's so wonderful about it. It's wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Yes, wear a mask. No, don't wear a mask. Doesn't help. Shutdowns are good. Shutdowns are bad. Close the schools, open the schools. And any moment that you're caught not dancing on the right side of that line, you suddenly, you, you stink. What kind of person are you? It is basically the idea is not what's right, not whether you're telling the truth, not whether you're doing what, what is the moral thing to do. The idea is that you are following the rules not of morality, the rules of behavior. It is behavior that is basically is being modified here. I just have to play this cut from Rand Paul commenting on Fauci. He loves the guy. It's cut 10.
I think this illustrates the danger of centralizing power and decision-making in one person or in Washington, because when one person is so wrong as Dr. Fauci has been, it has grave effects for millions of schoolchildren. The evidence has been clear for six months, evidence from entire countries in Europe and in Asia that schools do not lead to a surge, that kids are poor transmitters of this. Countrywide studies were showing this six months ago, and he wouldn't listen. And I tried to convince him of this, and now he sort of flippantly says, oh, we're going to let kids go to school, we're just going to close the bars. Well, we should also look at the evidence on that. Do lockdowns, you know, prevent the spread of this? Right now we have more mandates and more lockdowns than we've ever had, and yet the incidence of COVID is rising exponentially. It may argue that none of the things we are doing are working, and we at least ought to be honest and assess it from an honest perspective, not a biased one. What what's the pattern, though? What is the thing that holds all these things together? It's it's not, you know, I'm not telling you that opening bars is a good thing. I mean, I can understand why that might not be a good thing when you have a highly contagious disease, even though the disease doesn't kill a large percentage of people. It's it's easier to catch than the flu. So it's going to kill more people, although 40 percent of the people who have died have all been have been in nursing homes. So. Still, it's not, it's, that's not the question. The question is what links these things together? It's whose ox gets gored. It's who gets hurt. And it's always the lower classes. You know, it's, it's really interesting that closing schools, of course, hurts the poor more than it hurts the wealthy. I mean, wealthy parents are going to be more educated. They're going to have more resources to educate their kids. They're not going to have to go to work necessarily. They're in, in wealthy families. Sometimes one income is sufficient or at least can get them by. So it's not going to hurt parents of rich kids that much. It's not going to hurt rich kids that much, but it's going to hurt damaged poor kids. They're not going to have the educational wherewithal to come back and actually make up the losses that are especially bad in mathematics uh, that you have from these stupid Zoom classes. So when this happened in Florida, when in Florida they decided everything was going to keep open, the press was pretty tough on them. The press was pretty tough on Ron DeSantis. When it happened in New York, it was happening to their kids. And that's the other difference. Something like 70 to 75 percent of the press live on the coasts. So they're not living in the places where other people live. They're living where the clerisy lives. That's where the clerisy lives. And so they, when it happened in New York, suddenly, I, I mean, listen to this. Listen to the tone of this report from CBS's Nora O'Donnell uh, cut eight. Listen to the tone of it where suddenly the people who disagree with the Fauci's, the people who disagree with the experts, the people who are not in with the so-called quote unquote science are, are suddenly the good guys. Listen to this cut eight. Today, thousands of parents of New York City school children sent a petition to the city's mayor and the state's governor demanding that the nation's largest school system reopen immediately for in-person learning. Public schools were abruptly closed after the city hit a threshold 3% of COVID tests now coming back positive. There was anger on the steps of New York City Hall, parents demanding schools reopen for in-person learning. The shutdown sent parents of some 300,000 students scrambling Wednesday night. You know, so, so suddenly in New York, where where the people in the press live and their kids are suddenly staying home and they don't have any way to take care of them. They've got to get on the television to talk to people, because if they're not talking to people, they're nobody. So, you know, suddenly it's a problem and suddenly not listening to the experts is is OK. It's fine. I mean, we've seen, you know, we keep talking about the hypocrisy. But again, it, yeah, and it is hypocrisy. That is the right word for it. 
But it's a hypocrisy of class. It's just that they don't see what they don't see. They do not see outside of their class. And they set the, it's the reason they can't argue with us. It's the reason they can't debate us. It's the reason they just kind of, you know, throw us under the bus. Because the minute we don't agree with what the clerisy agrees with, we become evil because those are the rules of etiquette. This is playing into this election, the challenge to this election. We know, we know that we don't count. We know that we've been told that we stink, that we're racist, that we're sexist, that we're beneath, you know, that we're the deplorables. We've, we've heard all this before. So now when people are saying, well, you know, there's, where's the evidence of being cheated? We already feel cheated. We already feel cheated. And again, you know, people, one of the things I've learned doing the show is that people don't actually hear what you say. A lot of people don't hear what you say. They have little slots in their head and they fit it into the closest slot. So some of them only have two slots, yes and no. And if you're saying, if you're not saying yes, you're saying no. And I've just been saying the same thing over and over again. I'm not convinced by the evidence that there was some kind of massive conspiracy of fraud, but I'm open to being convinced if the evidence gets better than it is. Right now, it's just accusations that are unfounded and they're coming, they're coming from uh, various places, some of which I respect. And so I'm listening to those, but so far I just haven't heard them going to court. But the rage, the rage is the thing that is really something else. You know, Chris Krebs, who I have no reason to doubt is like an honest guy, he comes out and he says, I think he was the guy that the White House assigned to keep the election secure. He went on 60 Minutes and said, I think the election was secure. Okay, maybe he's wrong. He, you know, he might be wrong. Maybe he took bribes or maybe he's just his opinion is wrong. What's so offensive about that is that 60 Minutes have, had him on but didn't have anyone on to disagree with him. So that's an enormous... Uh, immediately makes you angry, right? It makes, makes you angry because your opinion is being treated unfairly or your suspicions are not being tended to or whatever, you know, you're not being included. So here is uh, one of Trump's campaign lawyers, Joe DeGeneva, reacting to Chris Krebs. This was not a coincidence. This was all planned. And, uh, you know, anybody who thinks that this election went well, like that idiot Krebs, who used to be the head of... Cyber oh, yeah, the guy that was on 60 dead. Minutes that last guy, night. That guy is a Class A moron. He should be drawn and quartered, taken out at dawn and shot. Now, that seems harsh. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, maybe it's me. I don't know. Do you know what drawn and quartered is? Drawn and quartered is when they hang you, they take you down still alive, they tie your arms and legs to horses, and they pull you apart. They rip out your bowels while you're still alive and set them on fire in front of you. They, you know, uh, mutilate you. Uh, and finally, they kill you and put your head on a pike. I, I don't know. It just seems it seems harsh for, uh, you know, disagreeing about an issue, even, you know, obviously an important issue. But somehow I, I, it just seems a little extreme. Uh, Krebs went on. He says he's going to sue. Let's play that just to be fair. Let's play his clip. It's certainly more dangerous uh, language, more dangerous behavior. And the way I look at it is that we're a nation of laws. Um, and I plan to take advantage of those laws. I've got an exceptional team of lawyers that win in court. And uh, I think they're probably going to be busy. You feel like there's legal action that might arise from comments like that? We're taking a look at all our uh, uh, available opportunities. Are you worried about your safety, sir? This is not the first death threat, unfortunately. You know, I'm not going to give them the benefit of knowing how uh, I'm reacting to this. Uh, they can know that there are things coming, though. <laughs> the guy's going to sue just because a guy wants to shoot him? No, look, I mean, it's it's 
it's ridiculous, but it is built into the system that we're in. We are in a system, this is the kind of system uh, from which revolutions arise, the sense that the people are, have just been excluded from the rulemaking ability, from the rulemaking system. They've been excluded from the truth-seeking system. They've been excluded from the behavior uh, correcting system. This was not the way it always was in America. I'm old enough to remember when it was different. I'm old enough to remember when ordinary people, uh, if I may call them that, were respected for their values, for the ways they lived their lives. Uh, that is not the country we're living in right now. And that's a problem with this industry, the communication industry, the schools, the entertainment industry, the news industry, that are now taken over by the people whose who they used to attack. They used to be out to get to make the uh, comfortable uncomfortable, right? They used to be out to make the comfortable uncomfortable. Now they're out to make the comfortable comfortable, but they're out to make you uncomfortable. And I, I don't blame people for being this angry. I don't blame people for being this angry, but obviously it's not going to get us where we need to go. All right, tomorrow is the mailbag. Gather your problems around you. Kiss them on the head. Tell them goodbye. They will all be over once you get your questions answered with answers that are 100% correct and will change your life. For the better, tune in tomorrow and find out I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review. And also tell your friends to subscribe, too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knowles Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Adam Saivitz and Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, is by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. Listen.